Amen. Well, thank you, church, for the opportunity to share the word of God with you. And thank you for Pastor Randy for um, giving me the opportunity to share God's word. And it's a it's a great privilege and honor to share the word of God. I, I just humbly pray that the Lord um, would really bless his word, the sharing of his word, and that he would take me out of the way and, and, and by his Holy Spirit. Um, he'd allow me to share the word of God. But um, I just encourage you, as you listen to this message on Sunday morning, I pray um, that you take the time to pray and worship um, before the message, if you could have, and, and if not afterwards, to just spend some time, especially uh, because we don't have the ability to do it as an altar time here. But after hearing the message, to really take the time to, to just worship the Lord, pray, um, ask the Lord to work his word um, in your heart. But let's begin by praying. And Lord, we just thank you, God, for your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, it doesn't matter what happens around us, God. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You're the same forever, God. And I thank you, God, that we can put our trust in you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would touch those that may still be sick, Lord. I pray that you would heal them in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray that you continue working your desire and your will through each one of our lives, God, whether we're meeting physically in this building or, God, whether we're listening in, God, where we are, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in my heart, God, um, as this message that you've given to me, Lord, I'm lacking so much in it, Lord, I pray that you would work it in my heart, Lord, I need it more than anybody, God, and I just thank you for your love, God, I thank you for your faithfulness in our lives, God. And we give you all the honor and all the glory, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, the message that the Lord gave me to share uh, for this morning, um, the title God's given um, me to share, it's, it's God's power and authority in and through our lives. And um, the Lord has been um, developing this message in my heart for the past couple of months. And something that the Lord's challenging me in, in my life. And, and I pray as I, as I share it um, humbly that it would, it would have an effect in your heart as well. And, um, and it's not anything I've just come up in my own mind. It's, I sincerely believe it's something that the Holy Spirit's given um, in my heart for me and, and for our church. Um, and we're going to be going through a lot of scriptures. So if you can, I, I would encourage you. I'm going to um, give you time to turn uh, through some of the scriptures as we go through the message. Uh, and some of them, just for the sake of time, I'll, I'll just have to refer to them. But I would encourage you uh, to get a pen and paper out and write down some of these scriptures. And they'll be wonderful scriptures for you to pray through and meditate on um, later on in your in your uh, just quiet time with the Lord and, and even during the altar time. So I would encourage you to, to get a little pen and paper and, and jot some of these scriptures down. Um, so we're always seeing a time of, of great despair and, um, and darkness, I'd say. And we really need and desire from the Lord a breakthrough, a victory, and an effectual power uh, from Him. Um, for what's going on around us and what's going on in our own life. And, um, you know, we mere mortal men have no real power, no wisdom to bring solution to our, solutions to our issues, our challenges, our problems. Uh, much less others, other people's issues and problems. And sadly, the church and individuals have cowered, I've cowered, 
under the weight of many things, of, of sin, of depression, discouragement, and defeat. And as I pray through this, and, and as a, the Lord laid this burden in my heart, like, Lord, why? What is the issue? Why we, we I'd say, as a church in general, Christianity is in general, um, why we cower under that so much? And God's given us a victory. He's given, uh, given us um, the answer. And, um, and we're going to go through some scriptures, but the power or the problem lies at looking at our own wisdom. And I use that word wisdom pretty loosely in the sense of our own wisdom can mean our own emotional um, reaction to something. Or even our own logic, our own reasoning about how do we handle this issue? How do we handle this situation? We look at our own um, central wisdom. Or we'll turn to the wisdom of men. We'll look at books and we'll listen to songs and we'll listen to speakers and, and we'll, we'll look at movements. And instead of turning to our Lord in humility and repentance and in surrender to Him, um, the church world has redefined fundamental biblical, uh, biblical fundamentals such as grace and repentance uh, and sanctification. And, and the Bible warned about, warned about this issue. You know, that Paul said that having a form of godliness that would deny the power thereof. Because we're looking at our own wisdom and our own power, which is finite and weak and, and bluntly pathetic, and the power and the majesty of God, the power of God, because God's power is what's going to bring that victory, is going to bring that solution. Um, and we need to turn to Him. Uh, if you can, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verses uh, 2 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. And I just referenced the scripture. Starting in verse 2, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, Unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And listen to this, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. And so God, um, Holy Spirit, speaking through Paul in this passage, is warning that there's going to be a shift and there's going to be um, a form of godliness, but there's going to be no power in it. Amen. In, in a sense, a counterfeit. And I want the power of God in my life. Amen. I don't want man's power, man's reasoning, man's wisdom. And look what it says in verse 2 it says, lovers of their own selves. There is a big movement in the secular world about loving yourself and, and being a lover of yourself. And I would, I would even say that that movement and that thinking has seeped into the church. And I believe ministers have rebranded that with, with spiritual names when what it is, is is a movement about loving our own selves. And then you look at verse... Um, 
For it says, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And all those sins and all those issues that Paul's listing stem from those issues. Being a lover of yourself and being a lover of pleasure more than a lover of, of God. And we're not to love ourselves or be preoccupied with ourselves. It doesn't mean that we're self-loathing and we just hate ourselves. But what is the focus? Our focus should be on our Savior and His desires, His plans, and His will in our lives. Instead of having a form of godliness, but there being no, absolutely no power in it. Um, I think a lot of what's happened too in, in, in modern day Christianity is, is sort of a, I would call it an a la carte ministry of, of the Word of God. Just like you can order from a, a restaurant menu a la carte. I don't want everything that's in, in the plate. I just want this part, this part, this part. And so what happens is, and, and, and we ourselves can fall prey to this, we just go to certain parts of Scripture. And we all apart. We I just want to hear about the love of God. I just want to hear about the forgiveness of God. And amen. Those are wonderful, important things. But what about dying to myself? What about taking up my cross daily? Amen. Because those things are in the Bible as well. And for God's effectual power to be working through my life, I need to be able. We're going to look at the Scripture, rightly dividing the Word of God and letting His effectual. Uh, Letting there be an effectual move of his, of his power and of his will over my life. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul addressed the situation very, very directly and what the, what the issue was. Speaking about what, what was said in 2 Timothy in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what Paul preached. Verse 17, it says, For Christ sent me... Not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that pierce foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish, made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach what? Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, listen this, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. I just want to make a, a couple of notes here, a couple of comments on this passage. So when we look at this, Paul is saying that the power that comes, the power that's going to bring an effectual change is the cross of Christ, okay? And it's not the wisdom of the wise, it's not wisdoms of words, any of those things, wisdom of words, excuse me. <coughs> and then he describes two camps, two types, Jews requiring a sign and Greeks seeking after wisdom. And I would say that's sort of where man falls within those two camps. The Jewish camp, in a sense, seeking a, a religious um, 
sort of affirmation uh, with what's being said, a sort of religious tradition, and then the Greeks seeking after wisdom in some sort of logic and philosophy. And when we come to the things of God, those have absolutely no place, okay? They have no, they have no place. I don't want to require a sign in the sense of how I feel or how I feel moved. Um, there's a great um, dependence, I believe, especially in our culture, where we have to feel moved in our senses. It's sort of a sensual reaction. I need, I need uh, the lights a certain way, or I need to hear this kind of music and, and this kind of. You need to use these kind of words. You need to use these buzzwords to really reach people. And then the Greeks sought wisdom. They, they, with their own sort of reasoning about how the things of God should be said, how the things of God should be done. I'm not to rely on my sensual sense, on my senses, on my sensuality, or in my mind in seeking the things of God or seeking wisdom from God because I'm not going to find it there. Where is it found? Where is the power and the effectual moving of God found? In Christ and on the cross. Amen. Where is my faith supposed to stand? Where is our faith supposed to stand? 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And when we say the wisdom of men, it could be men's ministries, it could be churches, it could be movements, it could be books, any of those things. The wisdom of men. Whenever men take the word of God and put their own opinion on it, their own spin on it, their own addition to it, instead of letting the word of God um, and what God says be the answer. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20 says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I could be the most charismatic, the most eloquent, which I'm none of those persons. Uh, and be able to speak and move people and, and all those kind of things, move people's emotions and be so charismatic and then have absolutely no power. Because that's not where the power is found. It's not in words. It's not immense wisdom, immense capabilities, capacities, skills, any of those things. It's found in something bigger. It's found in something spiritual that's done through the power of God and His Spirit moving and effectuating. Amen. Our overwhelming fear, temptation, anxiety, confusion, discouragement, and depression is going to come. Any kind of any any of those things is going to come knocking at our door at some point in our Christian life. Temptation, fear, anxiety, confusion, discouragement, depression is going to come knocking at your door at some point in your walk with God. Where are you going to turn when that happens? You should turn on your. You should. Get on your knees to God in prayer and His Word. Not call up so and so. Not go listen to this song that's going to make you feel better about how done you are. You need to get on your knees and pray and go to His Word because that's where that power, that's where the solution is going to come. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Amen. Because God's going to speak to us and He's going to bring the solution when we humble ourselves and we turn to Him. Amen. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know that the world around you 
is trying to conform you to think like them. You know, your, your flesh and there's things that the devil can use in your life are trying to conform you to something else. But the word of God says right here that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind in the word of God. Why? That's going to prove what's good. That's what's going to prove what's acceptable. And that's going to show what the perfect will of God is. Whenever we stop being conformed to how the world thinks and how the world views things. And even how I, my own wisdom, can get conformed. Instead of going to the word of God and letting him affect me. Amen. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. And look at, and, and pay attention as you're writing these scriptures down, as you're listening to them. You see this constant theme about the power of God, the power of God, the power of God, the power of God. There's a distinction between the wisdom of men and the power of God. Amen. I want the power of God in my life. I don't want my own wisdom. I don't want men's wisdom. Colossians 2.10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Let me repeat it. You are complete, ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and what? Power. There's a completion in the Lord. You know, psychology and immense philosophy, there's an emptiness, there's a moving, there's a, I don't feel fulfilled, I don't feel whole. The Word of God says that we are complete in Him. He's the head of all principality. He's the head of all power. Amen. I want to submit myself to Him and find my satisfaction and completion in Him. Amen. There's a power in God that is greater than our sin, bigger than our sin, greater than our sickness, mightier than our fear. It's found in Christ, in His cross, in the filling of His Spirit. Let me say that one more time. There's a power in God that is bigger than our sin, greater than our sickness, mightier than our fear. It is found in Christ and His cross and the filling of His Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and, and where do we see that? We see that played out in the life of Christ as you study His ministry on the, when He was on this earth, His earthly ministry. You see it played out as He was in His physical body, in a physical body where He fell. Tiredness. He felt hunger. He felt all those things. Amen. But he ministered and he did the will of his Father. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to see a, an example of that. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to start looking at it in verse 2. Or verse 1, I'm sorry. It says, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. He had just been baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Men and women of God. You as a born-again Christian are sealed with the Holy Spirit, but there's a measure of the Holy Spirit. We see that right here. There's a measure of the Holy Spirit that God pours out. And you see here very clearly it says, full of the Holy Ghost. He's full of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is leading him somewhere. He's not leading him where man's wisdom would have thought, why are you going to the desert first? Jesus, you should go there. There's a wisdom of God, and there's a, there's a wisdom and power of God, and there's the, uh, the wisdom of carnal wisdom of men. Being full of the Holy Ghost, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It says, being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And so I don't have time to go through all, but you see that Jesus is, is taken to these three temptations. He's fake temptation to sin, to disobey, to betray. And what happens after that? And jump with me to verse 13. 
And when the devil had ended all temptation, he departed from him for a season. Verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of, of, of what? In the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Jump with me to verse 31. This is where he starts his ministry. And came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And listen, look, look, at, look at how the people reacted. It says, and they were astonished at his doctrine. <coughs> they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Jesus' ministry and the things that he was saying wasn't just some sort of eloquent wisdom, uh, although he had those things. Amen. But there was a power in what he said. There was a power in what he was preaching. There was a power in the doctrine that he was teaching. Amen. I want that in my life. I want that in the ministry that God gives me. He's given each one of us a ministry. It doesn't mean that we are all pastors. We're all missionaries. But God has given you a ministry as a layperson. There is a power the Lord works in us as we are sanctified in him. Day by day, dying to ourselves and taking up our cross. You see how the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to go? And we know that's in the picture of the Trinity. He leads him to go to the wilderness where he's tempted. And then when he is, when he's fasted and he's tempted, he comes back in his great power and authority. And, and people see the power in what he says. Amen. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul learned this the more and more he ministered. Amen. Galatians 6, 14. <clears throat> but God forbid that I should glory, saying in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Let me repeat this one more time. It's a very important verse. For God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. The cross of Christ is something that, that Paul has is, is learned that he's glorying. And why? Because he says the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Why would Paul glory in the cross? There is a mighty power manifested through Paul's life, when he died to himself, to the desires of this world, and of the, war, the world's hold on him. There's a work that the, that the cross of Christ is doing. And amen, we've been having a wonderful uh, study and teaching. Pastor Randy's been teaching on, on Wednesday about the work of the cross of Christ. But I would say this is one of those that's not on the top list on the many of a la carte ministry about the, the role of not just at salvation, but what the cross did for sal at our salvation. Amen. We're justified in Him through faith. Amen. But as we're sanctified, the work of Christ, the work of the cross, where I'm dying to my own self. And remember back to what we read at the beginning about that movement and that form of godliness where the lovers of themselves and the lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I will, I, will, I will tell you right now that the church is moving in that direction of, of loving themselves and loving pleasure more than loving God. Amen. There are times where God is going to call. It doesn't mean that my whole Christian life is just this um, dreary, depressing thing. But there's a work that Christ has to do in me through his cross 
where I'm dying to myself, I'm dying to what I want, I'm dying to the desires that I have in this world, I'm dying to the, to the world's hold on me, amen? And why do I say this? Because when we don't allow the work of Christ uh, and the cross of Christ in our lives, when we're dying to ourselves, dying to our own desires, we don't, we cannot walk in the victory and we cannot walk in the power that God wants to, uh, us to walk in. Um, let's look at Philippians chapter 2 and, and we'll see how Paul references this back to the life of Christ. It says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8, speaking of Christ, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And so there's something that happens. There's a transformation that happens. And obviously this is the work of Christ and what he did in, in salvation. But there's also an effect in our lives as we die ourselves, as we humble ourselves before the Lord. God is able to lift us up, not for our own glory, but as our, our testimony of Christ is lifted up for men to see. Amen. And the greatest example being Christ. God sent the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for all of His children. Amen. And I referenced this at the beginning, and, and this message is not about necessarily about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there's a clear we study. We need to rightly divide the Word of God. Amen. And what it means about being filled, the measure of the Holy Spirit, being filled, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming down on men. Amen. We're going to look at several uh, verses and, and a couple of passages in the book of Acts. Amen. Acts 1.8 says, this is Jesus speaking, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. This power, this Holy Spirit, wasn't to draw attention to themselves. It wasn't to make a show, to make a spectacle. Why was it? It was a power to be a witness for Christ in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and in other parts of the world. <coughs> Amen. The Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit will give believers power to be witnesses of His work, of God's work in us, and to draw men into Him. Amen. The filling of the Holy Spirit would be used for them to be a witness for Christ, especially through all the persecution they would encounter. The, the persecution both by the Jewish um, religious leaders and by the political leaders of Rome. Amen. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and we'll see it. We're not, we don't have time to go through the whole passage. But as you're turning there, I want to ask you this question because it's something uh, I think is important to ask. I think sometimes as, as believers, we can just sort of just check mark. Okay, I got baptized, water baptized at this time. Okay, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we sort of just check those boxes off and we think everything's fine and, and, and I'm doing everything God's asked me to do. I want to ask you, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? First question. And then second question is, are you filled with God's Spirit every day in your life? Because I could, I could have been baptized years, weeks, however, however long ago. Amen. But am I being filled? Am I filled with this Holy Spirit every day? Because there is, I can be baptized and not walk in the fullness of the Spirit. There are many men and women 
that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit enact tremendously more carnal than people who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. They, they think, I got baptized that day, and I'm good to go. And there's not that filling of the Holy Spirit daily. What a shame. What a, a shame to the testimony of Christ. Amen. And, and I can certainly be included in that. Lord, forgive me. Verse 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not as they, they themselves gave them, uh, themselves utterance, but as the Spirit gave utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Jump with me to verse 14. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit as well. God's, God's anointing him as a leader of the churches at this time. And through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, God's given him a word. What did Jesus say in the beginning? The Holy Spirit was, was for what? It was for them to be witnesses. Amen? For that testimony to live through their life. And this is what, what the Lord was doing in this situation in Pentecost. Amen? What a wonderful, wonderful account. Verse 14, but Peter, standing up with eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and now ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. It doesn't say only apostles, it doesn't say only only certain men, it says, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. <coughs> Excuse me. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood. Before the great and notable day of the Lord come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so you see the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church, and it's used for what reason? It's used to proclaim the gospel and to proclaim the the and to, and, and to show them that the Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled before their eyes because they saw. They saw and they recognized something. These were devout men, these were religious men. They saw something different in these men and women, amen? And we see it played out, the baptism of the Holy Spirit played out through the book of Acts, amen? Turn with me to Acts chapter 3, and this is a wonderful account. I'm going to try not to be too long um, as we cover all this. Peter and John are on their way to a prayer meeting, amen? Prayer meetings are so important. Um, for our church, for every church, a prayer meeting is so important. Amen. They're on the way basically to a prayer meeting. They're going to the temple to pray. And they have an encounter that God's going to use for great, great glory to his name. Amen. And, and these men uh, are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're being led by God. They're walking in the power of God. Amen. It says it's a lame man. There's a lame man who, who hasn't been able to walk all his life. And he's healed. We don't have time to go through all of it. I encourage you to, to take the time to read through it. Jump with me to verse 11. 
and there's a moving of the Spirit through Peter and John, and God's using this to proclaim the gospel again. As the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, you can just imagine the joy that's coming in this man's life as he's embracing Peter and John. All the people reigned together unto them in the courts that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered to the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this men law? Let me pause right there. Again, we're looking at the Word of God. We're looking at how the power of the Holy Spirit is manifested through men of God. You don't see Peter making a big show, a big spectacle with a fancy suit for everyone to notice him as some sort of power of ministry of healing. What is he doing? He's always pointing what? He's pointing to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Who's it pointing to? It's not pointing to me. It's not pointing for a spectacle at me. It's pointing to the Lord. Why are you looking at us as though we're something? It's the power of God. Amen? Why do you look earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when you were determined to when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Oh, hold on, hold on, Peter. Um, you, you need to be loving in how you say things. You need to, um, you know, you need to tone it down a little bit. Talk about the love of God. Talk about, you, you know, you see how we can use men's wisdom, our own wisdom about how the word of God should be preached to the church, to his sheep. Instead of letting the wisdom of God work through us, instead of letting the wisdom of God speak to men. It's not for me to pick what God needs to say. It's what he's saying and what his word's saying. So where does Peter? Peter's going directly at their sin. He's going directly at the issue because repentance has not occurred. Okay? Verse 14. But he denied the Holy One and the just and desired and murder to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name... Through faith, in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. The power of Christ, amen. The power of God has done this. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Faith in God. Faith in what he can do. Faith in the power of him. Amen. Acts chapter 4, we don't have time to, to turn to it, but let me quote it to you. Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says, And with great power, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Guys, this is biblical. This is a biblical definition of grace, of the power of God. Amen. Great power is given to them, what? So they could be a witness of what Jesus had done, that he had died on the cross, and that he had resurrected. Amen? I want that power in my life. I want that power manifested through the things that I say. Amen? Not that men will look at me and say something great about me, but that I can say, look, look at what God's done. Look what God can do through your life. Amen? Look what he's done in my life. 
There's a great joy and peace walking close to Jesus and being full of his spirit. Let me say this again. There's a great joy and peace walking close to Jesus, full of his spirit. Doesn't matter a world pandemic that's going on. It doesn't matter if all have abandoned Christ. It doesn't matter what's around me. When I'm walking with God, it doesn't mean it's not going to be um, it's not going to be hard. But there's a joy and there's a peace when we walk close to God. When we're walking in His Spirit, I can sleep at night. Amen. I can sleep at night. There's a joy and there's a peace when I'm walking with the Lord. I can sleep at night. I'm not troubled because I know I'm walking in what He has and what His Word says, and not my own wisdom and what I'm trying to uh, try to figure out and conspire in my mind. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through what? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. Not just survive on hope, not just hang on in hope, and we hope's been thrown around a lot <laughs> as a buzzword. Biblical hope, real hope, amen. That ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. There's a spiritual working that God's doing because it's not going to go through what I can hear men saying, what I can see men doing, what I can, you know, some sort of uh, goosebumps in the back of my neck. There's a power of the Holy Ghost that's going to be working that hope in me. Amen. As I'm keeping my faith in the Lord, my faith is not in the wisdom of men, but what is in the power of God. In the power of God. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is the charge that Paul gave Timothy in his ministry. But this is a charge that God gives all of us. His Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. Uh, inspiring him. Anointing him to, to, to write this. This is a charge to every Christian. Whether you're a, a minister or a pastor or not. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let me start right there. How many of us have? Uh -huh. Sometimes God brings you through hardness. Where did, where, where did the Holy Spirit, where did the Holy Spirit bring Jesus right after he was uh, the, the water baptism into the wilderness? God's going to lead you to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he's going to bring you through things that are very hard. And I don't like going through it. <laughs> but it says endure it. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you're a soldier. You're not, you're not just some, you're not here on a joyride. The Christian life is going to be hard. God's going to bring you through things. But what is he doing? He's making you die to yourself. There's things in your life, things in my life, that God is, is uh, causing you the cross of Christ for me to die to. And I, as a, a good soldier, have to endure that hardness and faith. Keep your eyes on him. Verse 4, no man that warreth, because we're in a war, a spiritual war, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. How many of you entangle yourselves with the affairs of this life? I'm the first to admit it. So many times, worries, pleasures, we, we get entangled, all tangled up, just like you can with a tripping on an extension cord. We can let the world ourselves getting entangled in it because we get ourselves we instead of letting that cross the cross cause me to die to the desires we get entangled uh, with the affairs of this life and the affairs of this life can mean worry it can mean 
Uh, it can be it can be many things. Don't entangle yourselves with that. Do not. It says that he may please him who have chosen him to be a good soldier. It doesn't mean I'm helping God. It doesn't mean I'm being uh, a Pharisee. It doesn't mean any of those things. Guys, it's so important to read the Word of God. It's so important because men and ministries can spend things and make things make things mean what they're not. Simplicity, God, help me understand your scriptures. What does it say? Don't entangle yourselves with the affairs of this life. You should please Him that chose you to be a soldier. It doesn't mean I uh, have any special skill or any. What is God saying? He wants me to surrender myself to Him. Myself to him. And, and that's a daily thing. And that's something that's that I'm not going to get the, the, the goose bumps in the back of my neck to do. There's a discipline in it. And that's what God's Word is teaching me to do. It doesn't mean that I do it in my own religious sort of self to, to, to be a show for myself or someone. I, I, as I'm reading the Word of God, I do it as a good soldier of Christ because I want to please my Lord. I want to please Him. And all He wants is a vessel. Amen. All He wants is a vessel. I myself have, have nothing to offer but just my life to Him. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. Amen. Doing it the way God's committed to do it. Jump with me to verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Amen. Verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance. How many of you have a memory problem? I know I do. God could have shown me something wonderful yesterday, a couple weeks ago, and it's like I just forget it. Amen. And, and God knows our weaknesses, but this is something that Peter, that um, Paul is telling Timothy. He says, he's instructing him, and, and this is an instruction for me. Put them in remembrance. Remind them. I need to be reminded of it. Charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. So what is this? Put, put them to remembrance to, um, to be dead with him, to live with him, to suffer with him because we're going to reign with him, all those things. And then he says, don't, don't spend your time striving about words that have no profit and to the subverting of the hearers. Verse 15, study. To show thyself approved unto the church, unto this person. To, no, what does it say? Study to show yourself approved unto God. It's very important to study this word. It's important to listen to sermons. It's important to, to go to Bible studies. It's very important to go to Bible, uh, to go to prayer meetings. It is very, very important to study the word of God. Because we've seen how men, I'll just give some brief examples, how men and the wisdom of men, even through ministries, even through labels of Christianity, can affect the way I think. Instead of God's word and the real power that comes through him having an effect on my life. Study to show yourself a proven to God. A workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, sometimes I'm ashamed that I haven't studied the word of God the way I should have, where I'm confused about something. Amen. And as I'm growing in the Lord, there are going to be times of confusion, but I go to him 
But if there's a, a, a question that I get from someone or I'm, I'm confronted with something, I need to have studied the Word of God to know what the answer is. Amen. And sometimes there are going to be things that I don't know, but I need to go to His Word. Amen. So I'm not ashamed. And they need to rightly divide the Word of truth. Do you know that we can not divide the Word? We can not, um, and this is dividing in a sense of comparing. I can not rightly divide the Word of God. And I'll go back to that kind of corny example, a la carte sort of, of reading of God's Word, ministering God's Word, where I just pick this, pick that, pick this, instead of the fullness that's really going to cause the power of God to affect a life. People sit under ministries. People sit under books and all kinds of movements where it's a wisdom of man. It makes them feel good. And, and there seems to be a, a godliness. There seems to be a, a work. But when you see itself played out, there's no power in it. There's no change. There's no victory over sin. There's no joy and peace. It's sort of a temporal thing. Amen. I don't want the counterfeit. I don't want his wisdom. I want God's wisdom and his power working in my life. So I can face what's coming at me. Amen. Study so you yourself approved. Rightly divide the word of God. Amen. We, Lord, help me. Guys, we don't need to entangle ourselves with with the affairs of this life. I don't want to be a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. I don't want to be a lover of myself and having a form, form of godliness, but there be no power, be no, no um, effectual working of God through my life. There's a power that God gives us over sin and temptation. There's a power that God gives us. Amen. And I've fallen so many times not letting God do this in my life. I mean, and there's something I'm asking God to to grow in me. Romans chapter 6, it says in verse 9, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin <coughs> therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you when you do those things. If you're struggling through sin, read through this passage. God, I don't want this to reign in my, in my body. I don't want this. I don't want to obey the lust of this world and in my own uh, desires. I want to yield myself to you. Amen. Take this passage and read through it. Amen. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. There's a, a tremendous power that comes through God when we submit ourselves to Him through His grace, doing a mighty work. Amen. Biblical grace being played out and being instructed. There's a power that God gives us over spiritual darkness. Colossians 1.13, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think, according to what? The power that worketh in us. Amen. Isn't it incredible what God, God would do and will do exceedingly above what we can even ask or think. God's going to do it. Um, through his power working in us. Amen. I want God to have that freedom um, and his power to have that freedom in my life. And that comes through dying, the, the cross of Christ, the preaching of, of the cross. 
I want to conclude with this last example, and I'm sorry, I don't want to go too long. Acts chapter 6, the account of Stephen, and I don't have time to go through all of it, but Stephen was a lay minister. Um, he wasn't a, one of the apostles, but God did a mighty work through his life, and I want to just read through this account. Uh, for the sake of time, jump with me to verse 7. This is speaking about what's being worked in the church and through Stephen's life. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Amen. There's the witness, the great witness that's come through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Men are being drawn. Men are being drawn. Men and women are being drawn to God. It says in Stephen, full of faith and power. Full of faith and power. Did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines. And, and certain things, Alexandria, is all the Sicilian of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able, verse 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And why is that? Verse 8, he was full of faith and power in the Holy Spirit, power of God. Jump to verse 15, he's brought before the council. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. There's a, there was a physical manifestation, and I believe a spiritual one, where they see there's something different in this man. Jump to verse 54. He goes through, and I have time, he preaches the gospel from the Old Testament up until that time. Wonderful sermon before the religious leaders. And they heard these things, and they were cut to heart. They were convicted. What was their response? They gnashed on him with their teeth. And he, being full of himself, no. Being full of his own wisdom, no. Being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly, not at them, but to heaven, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Incredible, the testimony of Stephen. And I'm not going to expound more than what the Word of God says here. But you can certainly see the effect that Stephen's testimony, through the power and the filling of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, had on Saul's life. Because Saul had a lot of knowledge. He had a lot of zeal. But not the right kind of knowledge, amen. He had, he had a man's knowledge, and he saw something different in this man. It didn't mean that he was changed here, but you'll see, you can certainly see that his testimony had, a, had an impact on this man who ended up writing most of the New Testament. Incredible how our testimony can have effect on people, amen. Let me conclude, and these are two similar passages, but I think they're both good to look at. This is... Christ called his last um, imparting on his disciples physically in a sense. Um, and the charge that he gave to him, it's a charge that he gives all of us. Matthew chapter 28. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. And then we're going to look at Mark 16 as well. Uh, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20 says, Then the eleven disciples went away to Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus 
into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You can be worshipping, and there be doubt. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, and can you see this, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to serve all things, <clears throat> not some things, all things, the hard things, the, 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 the easier, in a sense, the easier things to hear, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. None of that on the cart, preaching or reading. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. God is not going to abandon us. Jesus is not going to abandon us. Turn with me real quick to Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 14 says, Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at me and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. So this is a similar um, situation, circumstance, I believe it, that happened near each other. It says that he, he rebuked them because of their hardness and he rebuked them for their unbelief. It says because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Even though Jesus had said all these things, they doubted the witnesses that God gave to them. He said unto them, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized, excuse me, and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. There's a signs that are going to follow them that believe. There's a power. Amen. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. Rather than what we're providing the word of God, again, there's some men in their own foolish wisdom uh, have, have taken this as solely some, some physical thing, and they take serpents. And, and amen. This is a, there's a deeper picture here. There's a spiritual picture here that God is wanting us to see. And he wants to empower, impart his power through, in and through our life. But the power in God's will in my life is not going to be all it should be if I'm not doing what he's asking me to do, obeying him and dying to myself. Amen. And going back to that first passage that I shared, I believe that's the, the big issue in, in my life and in many of our lives and in Christianity as a whole, where we become lovers of our own selves. And lovers of pleasure more than lover of God. And there can be a form on the outside of godliness, but there's no power. Amen. I don't want to have a Christian life that doesn't have an effect. Amen. And I don't mean that for my own glory, but I don't want to just rile up my life um, until God calls me to be home. I want to be effectual for Him. I want His um, testimony in my life to be to be a, uh, one where people would see. Christ in me. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you this. The devil is after your testimony. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your testimony before men. You've seen many Christians, and, and I don't know if they knew the Lord to begin with, but you've seen the work of, of, of the devil on men that perhaps never knew God, but they've preached and they've written books and they've done all these things and they became atheists or they became um uh, adulterers in their life and it, it brought a great, great shame to the gospel. 
Um, the devil wants to do that in your life, in my life, amen? And I don't want the devil to have any stake in my life. I don't want the world to have any stronghold in my life. I want the cross of Christ to do a work in me, amen? That I would die to myself, uh, to myself in, um, in the desires of this world, amen? And that's when the power of God can really come through, amen? As I die to myself. And surrender myself to Him. And amen. I would encourage you, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's a gift, amen. It's a gift from, from the Lord. And He will do it. He will. If you ask Him, amen, He's not going to deny you. And if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, I would ask you, do an inventory in your life. Is there is there filling in your life daily? Are there things that, affairs of this world, where you've been entangled in? And it could be, seemingly innocent things sometimes we just get we get carnal guys we, we just worry about uh, carnal things or we get caught up with with things around us we can become covetous we can become warriors anxious we can become worldly in how we think and, and how we react and and i would even say to you young people you teenagers and, and maybe college students as well the world has a strong pull on you and and what you see through social media what you see around you can have a strong pull let the cross of Christ have a work in your life for those things where you're dying to that and those things um, have no appeal to you. Amen. And Lord, we just thank you, God, for the power and the promise that's in you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would have that power and authority through our lives, Lord, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, that you baptize us with your Holy Spirit, God, that we would be witnesses unto you in this dark, dark world, Lord. Give us that joy, that peace, and that hope in you, God. There's a power in you. God, there's nothing in me, but there's a great power in you. I pray that it would have effect, continue to have effect in my life. And we thank you, Lord, that it's in Jesus' name. I'd encourage you, church. I'd encourage you, church, uh, in your homes to take this time as an altar time and, uh, and pray and let these scriptures um, have an effect on you. Amen.